Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan, and I have special guest Rich Tomaselli. Rich has done it all. He has worked in media of all types, newspapers, magazines, written books, new media. Um, again, let's give a special welcome to Rich Tomaselli. Rich, I wanted to have you on to talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, and specifically the time that uh, you were covering Michigan during his time here in Ann Arbor. Well, it's great to be with you, Phil. Good, good to catch up, as always. Um, you know, it was great uh, the years that uh, we worked together uh, uh, at Bleacher Report and uh, always uh, uh, appreciated the fact that uh, we, we, uh, we you know, went beyond that. We're friends and, uh, you know, we keep in touch, especially on uh, Facebook. But, um, excuse me. Sorry, Phil. No worries. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really uh, happy to uh, happy to do this. So, Rich, what was what's your first memory of Tom Brady playing for Michigan and his involvement with the Wolverines? Yeah, just, you know, just like I said on my uh, Facebook post, um, you know, my first real memory is, you know, I got there in 96. Um, you know, to the old um, Ann Arbor News. And I think Michigan, you know, Michigan definitely went to a bowl game after the 96 season. I don't remember exactly. Uh, uh, I want to say they played Texas A&M maybe or, or uh, an SEC team. But, you know, coming into the 97 season, there was a lot of, uh, you know, talk about, uh, well, the M stands for mediocre. I think that was the third or fourth straight season when I had gotten there that, that Michigan had finished eight and four. Uh, or had a four-loss season, um, you know, we knew, you know, Brian Greasy was coming back. They, we knew there was a lot of uh, uh, top returners coming back, obviously Charles Woodson. Um, but I didn't really get the chance to, you know, to talk with Tom or, uh, you know, really get in-depth with him until, as I had said, said in my Facebook post, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was early in that, in that great 97 season. And, you know, my boss slid his chair over to me in the office, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, he, he didn't get hurt, but, you know, Brian, you know, Greasy got his bell rung a couple of times in the game, you know, this past Saturday. He goes, maybe we should think about doing something on the uh, on the backup. So at that point, Tom had risen to number two on the depth chart. And uh, so uh, we arranged an interview through the university, and I sat down with Tom, and it was, uh, uh, it was great. And, uh, you know, even back then, uh, uh, you know, as a uh, sophomore or so who, who wasn't really – seeing a lot of playing time, and I think I looked it up, and he, I think he had, you know, appeared in four games that entire championship season and, and it attempted 12 total passes. So he, he did not play a lot. But he was very, very confident. Not cocky. Very, very confident. And he just kind of exuded this, you know, I got this, I got this. And I know he, uh, uh, you know, he gives a lot of credit to uh, 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 Greg in the athletic department, uh, you know, for helping him through, you know, some of the mental acuity things that go with, especially with being a quarterback. And I was just so, so impressed by him just that, uh, you know, that first season in 97, even though he didn't play that much. You know, there's a lot swirling around that time too, because there are players on the team who will say that they believe that Tom won that job out of training camp, but that, Greasy got the nod because, you know, he was, uh, you know, a returning senior. 
And, you know, during those days, uh, Lloyd would always give the nod to the upperclassmen who came back. And, and again, you know, we talk about that magical 97 season. Greasy almost didn't come back. So it's interesting yeah, yeah. that if things had been a little different, we might have seen Brady even sooner. And, uh, you know, the other thing is there was the, you know, Brady was kind of so discouraged after that season that he talked about transferring. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a whole bunch of things going on. I mean, there was what uh, you had just said that, you know, we were unsure if Brian was coming back. Um, I believe just a month or two after I had arrived in December of 96, after the football season ended, I think it was when um, Charles Woodson had a uh, press conference to announce that he was coming back. Um, so still, didn't, you know, didn't know fully about Brian. Um, you know, yes, in retrospect, uh, Tom had thought about uh, uh, transferring. Uh, and if memory serves me correct, Scott Drysback had had an injury problem as well. So you didn't know what, you know, really what his status was going to be. Was he going to be fully healthy? And, you know, you, as you look back on it, it's like, wow, you know, things were really touch and go there for, you know, for a little while. But I understood Lloyd's thinking. You know, he came through the Bow School, and that thinking was, uh, and a lot of coaches at that time. I mean, remember, we're going back now, what, 20, almost 25 years. So, you know, the thinking was, I got a senior. He's going to have to, agree, you know, get get injured or egregiously lose this competition. Um, and although many players felt that Tom had beaten him out, uh, I don't think Brian lost it enough to be displaced as the starter. And if he hadn't gotten off to such a great start, then maybe we would have seen Tom a little bit sooner. But they did get off to the great start. You know, they opened up with a big win uh, over over Colorado. They came back. They beat Baylor in the second week. You know, pretty pretty convincingly, and uh, that got Brian, Brian off to a really great start. Well, and that's the thing. I think that you know, when you th- look back, it's hard to dispute with Michigan winning the national championship. Again, that was Lloyd's third year, as you mentioned. 96 wasn't super great. 95 wasn't great. And, you know, there were questions about Lloyd coming into that. You know, there, like you said, oh, yeah. you know, M stood for mediocre. There were a lot of people who were wondering if, you know, in, in, in retrospect, how Lloyd got the job, if, if he was the right guy or not. So there, there were well, a lot I think, of questions. You know, and, yeah. There, and, and part of that was, um, you know, if memory serves me correct during that little, time period uh, when everybody was saying about the, you know, the M stands for mediocrity, um, you know, they had four lost seasons, um, you know, a couple of years, if not more than that in a row, I think two or three years, actually, maybe even four. And I think part of that was the saving grace, of course, was they sprinkled in a couple of wins over some very good Ohio state teams. And you know, as well as I do, Phil, that that's Michigan's MO. I mean, they're happy if they can beat Ohio state, and happy if they can win, uh, you know, win the Big Ten. Now they didn't, but they did beat Ohio State a couple of times and knocked them out of, um, out of national championship uh, uh, consideration or whatever it was at the time. You know, the BCS or uh, you know another iteration or even in the uh, you know even in the polls. So um, I think that helped. Um, you know, Lloyd was only in his third year. I think you know the university was committed, um, and the uh, AD at the time, uh, Joe Roberson was committed to bringing Lloyd back. They weren't just going to dump him after two years, um, you know, especially with the way he ended up as the uh, head coach with the whole Gary Muller thing. 
So, yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's so much going on behind the scenes with the roster spots, with the coaching thing. And, you know, it was fortunate, again, that they, they got off to a terrific start. They, um, you know, they only gave up a couple field goals in those first two games against Colorado and Baylor. Then they uh, had a big, you know, big, big win, close win, but, but uh, uh, you know, big win against Notre Dame. And then the Big Ten uh, season started. So, um, and as I think about it now, um, obviously they you know ran the table, so there was no uh, no issues there. But um, that that third or second or third game once the Big Ten season started, that might have been the game that that my boss was uh, that we were talking about, where you know he said you know hey maybe it's time to introduce people to uh, whoever the backup is in case Brian gets hurt or whatever. Um, it might have been that that third Big Ten game or the sixth sixth game of the season uh, against Iowa. If you remember that, they fell behind. I think Tim Dwight took one back on a punt return, you know, like right right before halftime, and Iowa was up double digits, if not by you know two touchdowns. And Michigan came back and ended up winning that game as well. So, um, but again, you had a lot of great, uh, you know, you had a lot of great uh, d- d- defensive performances within there. A couple of field goals. Um, allowed only in the first two games. I think Notre Dame scored a couple touchdowns. Um, you know, I'm trying to you know, looking at my press pass from 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 that. Uh, just what the schedule was. I know for a fact they shut out uh, Indiana because uh, I remember going on the road um, to to cover that game, and then they beat Northwestern. You know, fairly handily. Um, and of course, that game was notable for I believe that was the weekend when Steve Fisher got fired. So that was, you know, a crazy, crazy weekend as well. And then you had a, you know, a, a top 25 showdown against Iowa. And, you know, Tim Dwight was, uh, you know, doing Tim Dwight things. And Iowa got off to a great start. And Brian led them on the uh, on the comeback. So, obviously, Michigan had a magical season. And I remember being in California the day after the Rose Bowl. Life was good. I opened my USA Today, and there was a a little article or a little segment talking about, man, Michigan just won the national championship, and they look loaded for next year. And it's one of the first times in the national media I remember reading the name Drew Henson. And he was on the USA Today team, you know, all pro team or all, uh, you know, uh, recruit team as a punter, right? And I remember thinking, oh, man, I've heard this guy's a great quarterback. But, again, if they, you know, so things look great for Michigan. And for a while there, it looked like, uh, you know, the Tom Brady show was never going to get started. Well, you know, I, and obviously I remember all of that. Um, you know, my, my two cents on this whole thing was I think, of course, Lloyd was under pressure uh, from whoever, uh, boosters, uh, fans, Maybe even administration to you know get the the local kid in. I mean, you know, Drew grew up you know probably a football throw away from 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 Michigan. Um, you know, he had broken all kinds of national records. He was an unbelievable baseball player. Uh, you know, broke Bo Jackson's uh, uh, high school uh, uh, records for baseball. So you know, to get that kind of kid in, to have him commit as early as he did, help convince some other you know people to come in. He, you know, I, I'm sure Lloyd was under some pressure to get him in. And then, of course, the unfortunate platoon system uh, was born. I had felt all along um, 
and I said so in print, and I, I probably incurred some wrath from uh, from Lloyd. Um, you know, we had the um, you know we had a very um, I don't want to say contentious, but um, you know, very iffy relationship as as coach and and reporter. Um, although I have to say he was a you know he was a class act at all times, and even when I uh, left in uh, in 2000. I uh, and, you, and you probably remember uh, this. Um, you know, those were the days where you would go to the Big Ten meetings and you would have to turn into a weightlifter because you would get, you know, ten different media guys that were about 300 pages each, and you had to carry them, you know, carry them home, um, you know, from Chicago. So I I went up to his office and I asked him if he would sign my media guide, um, and it was very very you know very very nice of him. And um, he actually wrote in there, and I used to bust his chops a lot saying, Lloyd, how come you don't let us, you know, come to practice? How about not even once a week? And he just looked at me like I was, had three heads, you know, every, anytime I brought it up. But he, uh, he wrote a very nice note in my, uh, in my media guide and, and uh, signed it for me and said, um, um, hey, you were tough, but you were fair, dot, dot, dot. Now I can open up practice now that you're leaving. <laughs> so I got a big, you know, I got a big kick out of that. Um, but at the time, as you mentioned, it, it was um, – you know, it was tough with Drew coming in. Um, Drew didn't, you know, certainly didn't play poorly or anything like that, but I had felt all along that, that Tom looked better, at least, you know, from the limited amount of times that we had seen him, looked better in games. Um, you know, he, I still subscribe to that theory that Lloyd himself had subscribed to in naming Brian Greasy the uh, starter for the 97 season, that, that a senior shouldn't lose his job unless injured or, you know, some sort of, you know, ridiculously bottom-of-the-barrel poor showing in which he was incredibly outplayed in training camp. Uh, that didn't happen in this in that situation. It, it didn't happen in in this situation either. I think Tom and Drew were probably neck and neck. But as the season went along, even with the platoon system, I just thought Tom was the uh, the better quarterback, and I wasn't afraid to say so uh, in print. And I caught a lot of flack for it, you know, especially because Drew was the local guy. Well, you know, the other pressure you had is that Drew had been drafted right for the major leagues. So, yeah, by the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know, that is a high-profile look. You know, the, the Yankees are, are a pretty serious organization, as you know. And, and I'll tell you, one of the, uh, the things that I remember during this time is I went on a, a trip to Boston and went to a game late in the year, go up to the uh, – <clears throat> to the – box office and they said hey do you want an upgrade and i said sure they gave me a uh, a seat right behind the uh home plate and it was a scout ticket that a scout didn't pick up so i was sitting next to a scout from the san diego padres and i'm, I'm also a big baseball fan you know i coached you know baseball you know love baseball so i'm i'm picking the guy's brain about what he's looking at and he was scouting the Red Sox for a potential matchup, you know, later, you know, in the, in the World Series. Right. And it was awesome to be in Boston because the Yankees were clinching the division, right? And it was amazing because it was like a Michigan-Ohio State atmosphere. I, I never appreciated how contentious Boston and, and New York fans were. But what was interesting is I asked this guy, I said, so what do you think of Drew Henson? And the guy just looked at me and said, you know, if he would stop wasting his time with football, he'd be amazing. And it was, I mean, there was, so, you know, this was a professional scout. There was definitely a lot of people 
who saw Drew's potential. And, you know, you know, uh, Lloyd wanted to, you know, take advantage of that potential for Michigan. And again, there was all kinds of pressure. So it, it was real. It wasn't imagined. It wasn't, you know, I think a lot of people now, uh, you know, don't really appreciate that back then we didn't have the recruiting media machine that we have now, right? Where right. players are the most amazing thing before they've even put a helmet on, right? So for the amount of hype that Drew Henson had, it was real. It was genuine. You know, everybody's hype now. It was not like that. It, you know, the reason he had that kind of hype and attention is because he had a genuine talent and a lot of people, um, you know, had the opinion that he was going to be, you know, a world beater in whatever sport he picked. Right. Well, it, it's so funny you say that because so after the 97 season, um, are, uh, you know, I did mostly uh, features and columns uh, in covering Michigan football. Uh, basketball was my primary beat as the, you know, the, the, the reporter to do games and things like that. But, uh, you know, the Ann Arbor News always had several reporters on Michigan football. I was lucky enough to, you know, to go to every game and, um, you know, be able to, uh, to, to cover the team. And, but I remember our beat reporter, uh, Jim Knockhart at the time, um, had spoken to the Yankees. And I can't remember off the top of my head if he spoke to the, the scouting director or if Bob Watson, remember Bob Watson, um, you know, the great player with, uh, with the Astros, who was the uh, general manager, definitely was the Yankees general manager in 96 when they, when they won the World Series that year. So I don't remember if he was still around in, uh, in 98. But somebody had told Jim, you know, for the record, uh, for a story that Jim had working on with Drew, that they envisioned, the Yankees envisioned their infield in a few years to be Drew Henson at third, Derek Jeter at short. Can't remember who the second baseman was going to be, and the first baseman was this guy by was going to be this guy by the name of Nick Johnson. Um, you know, obviously that didn't pan out. Only um, uh, you know, only Derek Jeter you know was the one who ended up panning out. But you're right, this was not. You know, this this was not a big sell job. I mean, you know, Drew had that baseball career. I don't even want to say to fall back on because he might have been a better baseball player than he, you know, than he was football player. And, um, you know, he rose, you know, he went in, he finally chose, he chose baseball and he went through the, you know, the minor leagues. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think he eventually made it to the Yankees, uh, you know, for a cup of coffee, um, then went back to football. I remember he was with the Cowboys um, for at least one year. Uh, and the Lions too, right? So wasn't he with the Lions br briefly, or you know, he, tried out or got cut, or he was briefly, and it, and it was interesting because, you know, the guy had talent, and listen, and we're talking about Tom Brady, right? But right. Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady if he didn't get drafted and end up in New England where he did, right? And you look at a Drew Henson, and you wonder if circumstances had been different. You know, if his talent had been nurtured, if he'd been in the right position. But, you know, again, there was a lot of legitimate hype around him. And I remember, you know, again, I, I grew up kind of a Yankee fan. So, um, you know, followed the organization. And I remember at the time uh, I read in print that they had offered him one of the remaining um, single-digit jerseys, right? I mean, there's not a lot of those left. I mean, they definitely right. had plans for him. And, again, you know, they brought him to Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium at the time, let him take batting practice. Um, 
And, and let's not forget, they also punished him when he did not go pro in baseball. You know, they engineered a trade to Cincinnati and, and gave him a taste of what that would be like. And then, right. and then pulled some strings and got him back, right? So they were definitely putting pressure on him. And, you know, to imagine that that pressure wasn't realized or wasn't felt down uh, at, at Schembechler Hall was, was, you know, would be a mistake. So, yeah, absolutely. So here we are, uh, you know, uh, Brady's first season, he goes, you know, three for five, you know, three completion for five attempts. His second season, he's 12 for 15, comes back in 98, and he's in a dogfight with Drew Henson. And uh, what I remember about that is now, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan at that time. Um, I had one of the first websites that was out there, you know, covering Michigan football. You know, the Internet was was in its, you know, it, its infancy. Right. And um, I was taking photos from my seats. Right. So I would take my camera in and you know, this, this was film at the time. You know, you know, I would take my uh, camera into my seats. I was in the 11th row in the end zone and I would take pictures. So I had some pictures of, of Tom Brady and, you know, I went to media day. And what I remember is looking down and there was a line of fans 40 yards long for Drew Henson's autograph. And I'm looking for Tom Brady and he was literally standing by himself on the sideline. And I walk over and, and talk to him and he's like, Hey, nice picture. Thanks. And I'm just, you know, just chatting with him and, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where you got to wonder what was kind of going through his head as, you know, here's a guy who, who'd had really good success, engineered big comebacks, but all the hype was for Drew. And, and frankly, a lot of the fan base was for, for Drew. As you said, you took some heat for expressing an opinion that, that Tom was the guy. And I'll tell you, my impression of Tom at this time was, I mean, nobody could have predicted he was going to be the NFL GOAT, right? Right. But but like you said, he had an air about him, right? And I remember I remember thinking to myself, you know, you meet these guys who come through the come through the football program, you know, and they end up as doctors or lawyers or businessmen. And Tom had the air that I remember thinking, you know, he's going to be running something. He's going to be successful at something. Okay, never thought it would be football, but he had that self-assured that confidence, that air of, of, uh, of being in control, right. Of, of himself. And, um, again, it, it's amazing that it's turned out. Um, so what was it like to watch him as he was dueling with Drew Henson and, and, you know, finding such, such success on the field at Michigan? Well, the, the funny thing about that is, is as I, one of the, the, the most vivid memories that I have of Tom is, Prior to the 98 season, um, after um, um, the media event that they would held, you know, they held at the stadium and that the fans could come in, might have even been spring football, whatever. But, you know, they did have, uh, prior to the, to, to, the, to the 98 season, they did have a, a, a media gathering uh, for reporters. So everybody was there. You know, Angelique was there from the Detroit News, Wojo, um, you know, uh, uh, Rob Parker might have even been there. I had actually just started working on the side um, with the old WFAN, so all those guys were there, Stoney, 
Um, and I'll just never forget Tom coming in to his, you know, they, 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 they brought the guys in. You couldn't talk to them separately. Um, they brought it, you know, into, uh, you know, into a big room with, you know, tons of reporters and, and, and microphones and TV cameras and whatever. And he just came in so confident, not glib, but very, and not conceited, just very confident. And like you said, he had an air about himself. And the first thing he did was he sat down, uh, you know, he was in his uniform and, you know, they, they put the microphone, uh, uh, in front of him and, uh, and he just looked up. He's like, "Hey, everybody! Hey, fellas! How's it, how's it going? Uh, you know, hope everybody's well. Uh, hey, you know, fire away." And for some reason, that just stuck with me. Like, wow, you know, a guy who's uh, you know in this and competing for a job, and um, you know, he just seems to have a lot of you know self confidence. And so, so fast forward that moment to um, to 2002. Okay. I'm gone by now. I, I left Michigan. I went down and covered University of Miami uh, football in Florida for a year. And then when we started having children, I wanted to get off the road. So I went to um, a, a magazine called Advertising Age in New York, which is a very you know famous magazine in the advertising and marketing world. Um, and I did a lot of sports marketing for them. And I'll never forget sitting in my office when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady was named the starter. And I'll never forget, I can't, can't quite remember who it was that I called, but whoever the, the Patriots beat writer was at the time for the Boston Globe, I called him up and I just said, hey, I just, you know, I, I used to cover Michigan, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just wanted to let you know you're, you're getting a good one. You really are. And I don't mean just, you know, for his exploits. I'm not talking about, you know, anything he did at Michigan, which he had two very good years. I'm not talking about the great Orange Bowl game when he had four touchdown passes, beat Alabama. I'm just talking about you're getting a really good guy. And I'll never forget the guy said to me, he goes, you know, it's funny you say that. He goes, we kind of felt that way here. Because after he, after Drew got hurt, Bledsoe, and Tom came into the next press conference, he just waltzed in, you know, like he was in charge of it all, Sat down, and said, "Hey, fellas, how's everybody doing today? How you doing?" We're going. I'm like, "Holy crap!" You know, that's exactly what he said when you know four years ago when he was named, uh, um, or, or at least when he was still competing for the starting job at Michigan. So yes, he always had that kind of um, aura, so to speak, about him, and you just felt like good things were going to happen to Tom. Now I agree with you a thousand percent, Phil. I didn't know if those good things or great things that would happen with Tom Brady would be inside of football or outside of football. Who knew that a sixth-round draft pick, picked at number 199, would waltz in and become, you know, the greatest player in NFL, NFL history? No, you know, but it is interesting because, again, kind of like pulling back the curtain, you know, on the media side, right? Now, these days, not that all the players are really good at it, but they all get a fair amount of media training. That's not how it was back then. Right. No, not at all. Yep. For, for so, so for someone to come in and be that comfortable and polished in, you know, in front of the, um, the spotlight. And it's interesting because, you know, it's easy to look at Tom Brady now, you know, after an amazing NFL career and see him in front of the media and comfortable and kind of, you know, I, I've seen him in a few press conferences owning the room. But he was like that from the beginning. And yep. you wonder – um, you know, what kind of resilience, you know, how does that happen, right? And and I guess my thing is it's very clear that, you know, he was a diamond even back then, right? 
And again, nobody could predict he was going to be, you know, Tom Brady, NFL, you know, multiple Super Bowl greatest NFL player of all time. But, you know, I always look back and I, too, was was a big proponent of him in college. Nothing against Drew. okay, but I always thought Tom kind of had it. okay. and it's funny because if you look back to that 1999 season, right, you know, if but for a nine point swing, right. They lost the game to Michigan State by three points. They lost, uh, you know, and that was, you know, in, in East Lansing. There's always fun happening there. And um, they lost Illinois, you know, by six points. So right. you had that two-game swing where they lost two games in a row. Other than that, man, and, and again, you can always say ifs and buts, but really, you know, that's not a huge swing, right? And then they had that huge comeback win versus Penn State. And then, of course, beating Alabama on, you know, the missed extra point. But you really had the impression that that Michigan had something there. But again, I mean, you know, it's not a mistake, too, that he went where he went in the draft. I mean, um, he was, you know, for as polished as he was in front of the media, he was not an imposing physical specimen at that time. You know, especially no, at, not at all, especially not on NFL standards. Right. And oh, I mean, Phil, that that picture of, of, and I, you know, I mean, I'm the last person to be talking about, uh, you know, fitness or whatever. But you know, that that picture that is now so famous of Tom at the NFL scouting, uh, uh, the NFL combine, of him just in a pair of shorts, no shirt on, uh, you know, with the quote unquote dad bod. You, you, you know, you 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 kind of understood that, like you said, he wasn't physically imposing. He did have a cannon for an arm, but you know. It was no surprise that he went in the sixth round. It really wasn't. Now you know. Now it's the surprise. It wasn't back in, uh, you know, two thousand or two thousand one when he got drafted, whatever it was. You know, the other thing that's interesting is you know we talk about Drew Henson versus Tom Brady. You know, their baseball prospects. Well, Tom Brady was also a, a baseball prospect, and what's interesting is that he was projected as as being a catcher. And what's interesting about that, when you think about it from a baseball perspective, is that catchers are kind of the quarterbacks of the baseball field, right? You know, sure. they're calling the plays, they're, I mean, they're calling the pitches, they're, they're calling the shifts, they're moving players around. And it was interesting to think of, you know, again, the path not taken. If, if Brady had taken the baseball path, um, you know, he was drafted by the Expos, which you know, I don't. A lot of people right now might not even know who they were. You know, because because uh, you know they've been contracted. But it's just interesting to see how these two players have kind of shifted. You know, I always kind of imagined a, a Saturday Night Live skit of Drew Bledsoe and Drew Hudson arguing about who was better. Right? Well, well, I was better than Brady in college. No, I was better than Brady in the NFL. I mean, it's just weird that uh, you know. And again. You remember, Drew Bledsoe was highly regarded. I mean, it was, you know, when Brady went in, it was supposed to be a patch. You know, here, let's just get you, you know, get through until Bledsoe could come back. And, again, nobody envisioned that he would seize the job and, you know, pretty much seize the NFL for the rest of his career. You know, the funny thing, too, Phil, is, um, you know, we're talking about him, you know, having, you know, command of the room, so to speak, and, uh, you know, the uh, the old terrible media, media cliche about uh, winning the press conference and things like that. You know, you know who was like that, too? It was, it was Brian, Greasy. Brian was very uh, outgoing, very affable. 
um, you know, one of my greatest, um, again, some of my most vivid memories of covering Michigan for four or five years was, uh, you know, after that uh, national championship season, going down into the pits of the uh, of the Rose Bowl for for post game press conferences and whatnot, was um, was Brian, uh, you know, seated at the table, tons of media, you know, especially national media, uh, you know, were there, and um, you know, somebody asking, you know. Um, Somebody asking uh, Brian about, well, what happens if Nebraska wins? You know, what do you think? You know, whatever. And, you know, Brian was just like very cool, calm and collected. I'll just never forget him saying, you know, look, you know, we went 12 and 0. We beat, you know, the number two team on the road uh, in Penn State. We, uh, you know, we beat Ohio State. We ran the table. What more? I ask you, what more do you want from us? Um, you know, which was uh, you know just 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 a great line, and you can. You can understand how Brian uh, was able to, uh, you know, become such a um, such a great uh, analyst on uh, on television and, and end up on, uh, on on Monday Night Football. I mean, he just he also had that same kind of, uh, you know, that same kind of air about him. Well, think about that for a second. You had Brian Greasy, okay, on that team. You had Tom Brady. You had Scott Drysback, right? Yep. Greasy went on and had you know played in the NFL for a while. We know what Brady did. Dreisbach also went, and if not for an injury in the preseason, a pretty severe injury in the preseason in the NFL, he would have played in the NFL. I mean, yeah, did, a, didn't he end up? You know, didn't he go start out with the Raiders or end up with the Raiders? Yeah, and and he had a again a, a really bad injury because you know I was kind of tracking him because you know his first game at Michigan was Lloyd's first game, that amazing comeback. Versus Virginia. Right, against Virginia. Yeah. 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 So, again, he showed that, you know, he had some moxie. So, imagine that quarterback room, you know. And, again, you know, there was a time that, um, you know, Michigan was known for, for pumping out and producing offensive linemen and tight ends. But, right. you know, they, they weren't exactly a slouch in the quarterback room at that point no. either. No, you talk about those three. Now throw Drew Henson in there. Um, we know when, when Drew enrolled and – that, like you said, that's a that's a that's a pretty good legacy right then and there of just one, uh, you know, one graduating class uh, of, of guys, and uh, you know, I think they've been, uh, you know, they've been pretty uh, pretty blessed and pretty 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 lucky, uh, and have done some great uh, you know great recruiting and great scouting, of course, because uh, they've they've had some some real good quarterbacks that they didn't you know fare that well in in the NFL. They certainly fared well in uh, you know, in college, I mean, Chad Henney comes to mind. You know, he had a pretty good Michigan career, and um, you know, Robinson. Uh, you know, some some big wins, and so um, you know, I think uh, you know, I think Michigan. And I saw an interesting stat too, right before the playoffs, uh, the NFL playoffs began. Um, I saw a great stat that uh, on the 12 teams that made the playoffs, there were 24. Michigan players, the most of any uh, any college, uh, beating out. I think it was Alabama with twenty three, but that's a that's a pretty good, pretty pretty darn good legacy to uh, talk about when you talk about the program. You know, the other interesting thing about Brady is he talks pretty openly about how when he was named captain at Michigan, that it was one of the best achievements of his career. I mean. Super Bowls, everything was, you know, and, and there's a pretty powerful speech that's online 
that he gave. He came back and talked to, you know, Michigan, you know, the team a few years later. So it's pretty clear that what happened in Ann Arbor definitely forged a lot of his character. And, and definitely, I mean, we got to give him tons of credit for, um, you know, definitely he, he's a much different physical specimen now than he was when he entered the NFL. You know, definitely, you know, it's put a ton in nutrition and, and weight training and things and, and film study, right? But, you know, he was also formed by working with Belichick, right? And, you know, that goes back to right time, right person, right circumstance, right? Um, you know, people will talk about, you know, here in the Detroit area, they're like, oh, if we only had Tom Brady. And I'm like, man, if the Lions drafted Tom Brady, he wouldn't be Tom Brady. Right. Right. So yeah, exactly. There's yeah. There's... He went to a great situation. He was put into a great situation. I mean, you know, when he took that first game or so, when he took over from Drew Bledsoe, you know, he didn't come out slinging the ball, you know, 60 yards. I mean, Belichick slowly built his confidence up and, you know, called some short passes, some swing passes, some screens, you know, some quick hitters over the middle. And that slowly built his confidence up. And, and like you said, I think he became Tom Brady, uh, you know, in large part because he was Tom Brady. But, you know, working with Lloyd certainly didn't didn't uh, hurt. And working with Bill, Bill Belichick was, uh, you know, an amazing experience uh, for him uh, as well. And, you know, it just dawned on me, too, so another – another great, great memory that I had. All these great memories that keep come flooding back to me, and they have nothing to do with being on the field. Um, but during the time of the whole quarterback controversy and the platoon system and Tom and Drew, Drew and Tom, um, I, I remember vividly, as it was still going on, raising my hand in a, uh, a pregame press conference, started to ask a question again about this whole thing. And I think Lloyd was a little – this is when Lloyd was a little pissed at me because I, you know, and in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have done this to a, to a kid, to a college kid, but I had written a column saying, you know, why is this going on? Brady's the better quarterback. What's, you know, what's the problem? What's the delay? Um, you know, look, you know, put, put Drew Henson in, in pockets, um, you know, sort of like they did with, with, you know, this year with, uh, you know, with JJ McCarthy, putting him in when, you know, you think you can, uh, uh, capitalize on his wheels and, um, you know, just uh, the great athlete that he is and that sort of thing. But I had written that I thought, you know, Tom had done more than enough to, to stake his claim to the starting job as a full-time quarterback. And I, I, you know, called, and like I said, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I called Drew Henson, you know, I, I, you know, I said words to the effect of, and then used the exact phrase of, uh, you know, listen. I understand he's local and whatever, but you know, you can't play the better uh, You can't play the golden boy over the better quarterback. And I'm sure Lloyd was not happy with that. I know the Hensons, you know, were not Drew and Dan as his dad. Um, but um, I, so I went to raise my hand to, to ask a question. I started out to ask a question, and Lloyd put his hand up, knowing where I was going with this, and just said, "I'll never forget this." Too. He just said, and "This was Tom's." junior year so he hadn't even had the great senior year or the great um bowl game against uh, alabama lloyd put his hand up stopped me and said listen don't worry about tom brady tom brady's gonna play in the nfl and i was like floored by that because like you said who who knew at that point you 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 hoped that he would be a sixth round you know draft pick and maybe 
catch on somewhere. But, you know, Lloyd was very confident that in Tom's abilities and knew his talent for sure. And, I, again, I think that speaks to what you had brought up, Phil, about there being a lot of pressure at the time and, and um, you know, the, the pressure from everybody uh, around Lloyd to, uh, to play Drew. And, but for him to say that, I thought was extraordinary. And, obviously, Tom Brady went on to the NFL to play very well. Well, one of the big differences, too, back then is that we didn't have the media landscape that we have now, right? You don't have, um, you know, uh, 100 blogs, 100 websites. Um, you know, back then, when you wrote things, you were a definitive source of truth, right? Sure. You know, it was sure. the Ann Arbor News, it was the Detroit News, it was the Free Press, and those were the big three covering locally. So um, it is interesting now that, um, you know, obviously it's a much more uh, varied media landscape and some of the individual criticism and, and some of the shots that people take will kind of get lost in the noise a little bit. But back right. then, that was a big deal. And, and, you know, you and I both know that, you know, that kind of um, article would get picked up by the media coming in to cover the game, right? So those kind of that kind of feedback would flow and, and kind of show up in different ways. So yeah. in a lot of ways, it was easier for um, coaches and, and media people to kind of um, head you off at the pass a little bit. Um, right, right. Well, even though it was out there, because again, it was important. If you said that, you know, it was going to get picked up on, uh, you know, the limited talk radio that there was back then, but definitely get picked up nationally by, by the, uh, the larger outlets. So it, it is interesting at some point, you know, I would love to talk to you about how just media has changed. Right. But it's interesting to, when we're talking about Tom Brady, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he is a, a magical unicorn dinosaur, right? He's lasted so long you know, in the NFL, but to kind of use him as an example of what media was like when he started and what media is like now, right? Oh, that, you know, that would be an extraordinary conversation for another time, I'm sure, because, you know, it was in 2000 and, you know, 2000 or, or even before that, it was nothing, you know, it was nothing like this. You know, these days, as you saw on Facebook with the whole Jim Harbaugh, is he going, is he staying thing? everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. Not just, you know, not, not just people who have a blog or people who are writing for a publication or who are on the radio. I, I saw stuff from, you know, guys on the uh, you know, on radio broadcast who, who thought they knew what was going down. And it just, you know, it just got so out of hand to the point where, and probably rightfully so, there were a lot of people on social media who was just like, this is clickbait. I, I don't believe this. I won't believe it until Jim says it himself. And you know what? They're probably right <laughs> because there's just too much out there now. There really is. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, when you're looking at media, uh, you know, again, wide media landscape being gracious. Right. But you have people where they can kind of select what they want to what what they want to react to. Right. It's. You know, if, if you're kind of a fan who wants to jump on every rumor, well, there are sites that will have every, you know, 50 rumors a day. And there's nobody keeping track of how many times they're right and how many times they're wrong, right? 
it's just oh it, like you said it's clickbait it's um you know and it gets repeated on social media and as truth and um again it, it's people find entertainment in a lot of different ways um truth kind of gets lost in in the in the wash a lot so yeah yeah well yeah i mean it was uh you know this was fun dude catching up i mean like i said all the memories that come flooding back is just uh you know uh, uh and i do have a ton of of great memories of of what happened on the field uh, as well you know woodson's interception at michigan state was one of the most phenomenal athletic plays i ever saw um you know the constant uh don't know how nobody else, you know, picked it up after Michigan started using it right at the beginning of the uh, of the season. How they how they went twelve games and no de- no defense would defend it, but the uh, you know the play action or the fake handoff and and the roll into the waggle to the tight end uh, worked almost every time. You know, Aaron Shea, Brian Greasy, uh, Jeremy Tuman, um, uh, you know, Woodson's interception uh, when Washington State uh, was on the doorstep of going up fourteen nothing in the Rose bowl, just, uh, so many, so many great memories, so much, uh, so much fun. Well, Rich, this was great. We'll have to do it again. Um, want to thank you for joining me. So that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan. Go blue.